Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football. I'm sports editor Matt Daniels with the News Gazette. Across the table here in podcast headquarters is Alan Likas, who never sleeps right now, is always writing, is always covering something, and uh, always has his laptop open, and always has healthy drinks next to himself as well. Mm. What do you have? It's not bad. I mean, it's, it's buy, not buy, so, What yeah, is it? It's like flavored water. Flavored water. Okay. Yeah, it's not, not, we're looking, we're it's looking not carbonated. S- it's not soda or anything like that. Okay. So I guess it's healthier, but or I just more enjoy it just because it tastes good. But yeah, we're uh, we're back for another episode of didn't Illinois f- Illinois football podcasting and uh, two scrimmages in the bag. Didn't think I'd hit you with the uh, beverage you were holding. No, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that one. That. No, I wasn't prepared for that one. I was all, uh, I was all scrimmage mode, <laughs> ready to talk about... Uh, Some good old live tackle American football. Yeah, the latest we learned from, uh, from Illinois' second scrimmage as we get ever closer to the preparation, the true preparation phase for Nebraska in week one. And yeah, it's an exciting time to be around Illinois football, that's for sure. You can uh, just tell every time we talk to different athletes each day um, that they're, you know, when, when we ask them... You know, we try to get them to reveal stuff, try to get them to reveal little schematic things, but they're they're not budging. But they always give off a little smile and say they're just really excited for August 28th, get inside Memorial Stadium, and can't really blame them. It's going to feel uh, probably closest to a regular football atmosphere that these kids have had in well over a year at this point. So, uh, yeah, really exciting times around here. Yeah, preparations uh, continue for that, that much-anticipated season opener against Nebraska, noon kickoff, and uh, we're about a week and a half away as we record this on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. The sun is out here in, in Champaign. Nice weather. Can't complain about that. I, I think the weather for training camp, for the most part, has been rather splendid, especially yeah. considering usually in August, although for a few days there it was scorch of the earth hot <laughs> here in, in Champaign but for the most part I'd say favorable to above average weather for for football training camp yeah absolutely um, you're getting out in Memorial Stadium a lot not uh, not having to use Irwin quite so much which I mean Irwin's a great facility Smith Center you know everything over there would be just fine to use for indoor stuff and I'm sure they do use it for things you mm-hmm. know at different times of the day but uh, we've been hearing the whistles and the horns going off inside Memorial Stadium the more you can get comfortable inside your home field especially when you open the season there I think that's that's only the better especially when you're you know still installing offense defense things like that when you're a new coach the, the key word you use there Colin is your hearing Mm-hmm. Uh, whistles and things you're not seeing much of, right. of anything because <laughs> Brett Bielema has pretty much closed down the hatch for for any sort of viewing of, yeah. of any sort of training camp practices I think 10-15 minute period and it's usually mm-hmm. just all individual drills it's not like they're going out there and going 11 on 11 or anything right. like that so uh, yeah. our guess is as good as yours as to what <laughs> Illinois football is going to look like in in less than uh, less than two weeks but uh, like Colin mentioned, the uh, the season is, is fast approaching. Next week's game week, Colin. <laughs> it's true. Hard to believe. It seems yeah. like just yesterday we were, or you were finishing off a very busy Saturday that started, I think I called you at like 7.55, 8 a.m. on that Saturday morning. And 
upon finding out about Brett Bielema, and then mm-hmm. he started going to work, and then yeah. they also had a game that day at Penn State that <laughs> you had to cover. So that was a nice, you know, 12-, 14-hour workday for you, Colin. Yeah, that was uh, that, 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 the That's game. exactly what they tell you in journalism school, right? right. That every the, day is going to be like that. Yeah, the game kind of took a back seat at that point, <laughs> although I'm sure Brett Bielema didn't mind getting to have a look at some of the guys who are now his, his athletes. And He's one of the only people inside. Yeah, right. Stadium that day. Yeah, him and uh, Josh Whitman and Kent Brown, who was called Josh Whitman, and yeah, um, very few people out inside there. But yeah, um, I mean, what Illinois football is going to look like? I mean, you know, you're going to see a lot of the same faces you saw last year on TV. You just get to see them in person. Um, I think is that good or bad? Not the in person part, but the fact that they're bringing back faces. so many players from last year. I kn- and understandably from Illinois' perspective, they're going to tout that up and, and yeah. say they brought all these players back and the right. experience back but also too the reality is you can see it as well these are a lot of the players that were key cogs on a team that went two and six and finished last in the big mm-hmm. 10 west last season yeah i think the the hope is that with new coaching uh new schemes new mindsets new training that the team can improve upon where it was before you're absolutely right that these guys uh, it's not like they are coming off a team or coming off a season that ended up in the college football playoff or anything like that. There's there's a lot of work to be done here. Um, these guys, the way they've talked, they think they've put in the work. I mean, have they put in the work to, you know, finish atop the Big Ten West? That's probably a pretty big leap. But have they put in the work to at least win more than two football games? You, you, you can at least hope so. Um, I think there's there's an opportunity to win more than two football games. I don't know that a lot of uh, people outside of Illinois feel that way, and probably even some people inside of Illinois probably uh, don't feel that way, not around the program, but just kind of in Champaign-Urbana perhaps. But, yeah, I, I think um, you can't really ignore just the, the positivity that's kind of permeating from the program. It all could dissipate if the Nebraska game goes horribly wrong. Um, or it could just be built off of if the Nebraska game goes lopsidedly or closely right, mm-hmm. just right in some way where they end up winning the game no matter what. If they win that game by 20 points or they win it by a point, uh, that would be a significant positive for this team and could show legitimately that, okay, um, there was something to the fact that there needed to be a change of coach. Mm-hmm. They needed to they needed to start fresh up top mm-hmm. and that there were players that were capable of winning football games against Big Ten teams. Now, of course, you can point to the fact that Illinois beat Nebraska last (laughs) year um, with a very similar roster. So maybe you want to withhold judgment on that until they face an opponent who they either lost to or were crushed by last (laughs) year. Um, You know, an early good first test in that regard is a program like Purdue probably. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, Illinois was messed up with COVID issues at that point. See, there's all kinds of caveats here. Last year was just such a mess that, I mean, really we should just – hope i think that there, there's positive turnaround basically if, mm-hmm. if illinois just starts winning games then we don't have to talk so much about the fact that a bunch of super seniors return from a team that barely won any games now they're the guys who just needed a shot in the arm mm-hmm. just needed some new training um and and it turned it all around so yeah it's it's going to be good as we said on this program last week just to finally start answering some questions instead of kind of speculating as to what this team can do and what they're capable of well i mean the game against nebraska which kicks off next saturday august 28th uh and then september those five games that illinois has before the calendar flips to october are so important for the Mm -hmm. direction of of the season and not to say that 
you know, it's every game's important in college football. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. They only play 12 games right. in, in a full normal season, which we should have here in, in 2021 after last year's eight-game abbreviated Big Ten-only schedule. But, I mean, the, the tenor of the season, right or wrong, is going to be just in it pointed in a direction based on the outcome of the Nebraska game. If, if Illinois is able to beat Scott Frost's program and, and beat the Cornhuskers here in Champaign, a lot of talk after that game and leading into week two, or I guess week one of the season technically, because mm-hmm. right. college football made up this term <laughs> called week zero yeah, that right. now everyone applies it to. Um, but that's another talking point for another day. <laughs> um, but then they're they're one and zero. They're going to be home still. They've got Texas San Antonio coming to town again. Not a it's, uh, Texas San Antonio's only had football for a decade, so they don't have tradition rich program. But they were a good team last year, mm-hmm. and they've got one of the top running backs coming back in the country in sincere McCormick, who Illinois had tr- they've had trouble stopping the run repeatedly uh, yeah. under various defensive coordinators and schemes in, in, in recent years. So it's not just, again, Ryan Walters, new defensive coordinator. You know, give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess, until you see otherwise on the field. Uh, he did have some successful units at Missouri. They also struggled at times as well, too. So, And then the Virginia game is just a – I don't know if it's a toss-up's the right word, but first road game it's against sure. a Power 5 program. Mm-hmm. Weird start time, 10 a.m. Central here in, in Champaign, 11 a.m. out in Charlottesville. I, I don't know. Because the, the second half of the schedule is so much more difficult, uh, <laughs> at least on paper. Yes. Um, you know, Starting with Wisconsin on October 9th, uh, then at Penn State. Yep. Rutgers comes here. <laughs> There's your slight. The, a, the annual Illinois Rutgers game, which has turned into a rivalry somehow. I don't know why they're not playing for a trophy or something at this <laughs> they point. Will. They will. Don't, don't sell them short. They basically play every every year, it seems like. Um, and then November's tricky, too. They got that two... They have three games in November. Two are on the road, though, at Minnesota, uh, at Iowa. Who knows what the weather will be like up in Minneapolis the first Saturday in November. So the Northwestern in the year. It's still, it's uh, on paper, there's so many potential paths for this Illinois season to go. And uh, I think if you're a long-time, long-suffering Illinois fan, you just kind of want to see some positive results early and um, just kind of let Brett Bielema and, and his staff kind of live up to all their the reputations of, of being able to turn a program around and, and be a consistent winner. Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things is going, and this is obvious, it goes for any college football program, but I think it's especially important for one that is in this position where you have a new head coach and a new staff and you're trying to build some positive momentum. Just staying healthy It's going to be so important. This Illinois football team, we've said it before, just pretty much ever since I've been here. <laughs> I've been here since 2014. This team is just rife with key injuries, mm-hmm. and they hurt even more when you just don't have that much high-level depth. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a no, you're right. crude way to say that, but no, I think it's, it's true. Factual. Um, it's just hurt this team so much more that when the first line goes down, that's really kind of the end of it. You've got these guys that come up next, and you know they're fine football players, but they get bowled over by the likes of what we saw against Northwestern and Penn State in the mm-hmm. last two games of the season. Um, so staying healthy would just be so important. I mean, knock on wood, this team has uh, been pretty healthy throughout the the spring and fall or spring and late summer training camps. <laughs> uh, the only you know significant 
lingering injury that we've really heard about is, you know, heard about Marquez Beeson being out with a, a hamstring strain that sounds pretty pretty, uh, pretty annoying. He's going to be out until at least week two or week three, Brett Bielema told us on Monday. Um, so that's a pretty significant one, uh, but not the end of the world. Um, I, I don't know that he was going to be a starting wide receiver, but he was going to factor into that rotation probably. But beyond that, I mean, you know, guys like Alex Palczewski and mm-hmm. Kalen Tolson and Tariq Barnes have been getting healthy and not been going mm-hmm. backward. Mike Epstein seems to be trending in the right direction from, you know, whatever he could have been dealing mm-hmm. with in his litany of mm-hmm. injuries throughout his career. So that's just mission number one. A lot of credit has been given to Tank Right, just about getting these guys right physically. Um, you know, the big thing we talk about with that is their their growth, like muscles and body mm-hmm. mass and things like that. But health is another another significant part of of a training staff. Uh, and you know, obviously, when guys you know get hit wrong, folded up, or what mm-hmm. have you, that reminds me of Jordan Slaughter. Also, that was the other key yep. injury so far. Likely um, out for the season. The yes, lineman right. From Sorry, Jordan. That's my bad. We, we addressed um, it last week. On the but um, you know, when a guy gets folded up, I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's one thing you can't control that. But non-contact stuff. Um, you know, nagging hamstrings, nagging. Uh, what have you, stuff that maybe could be prevented or limited with better strength training, better dietary, better things like that. That That's the stuff that Illinois really needs to end up on the right side of here. Because, I mean, you just look at, uh, at how quickly fortunes can change, and I realize we're still early on, but just today we found out over at Northwestern, who you just mentioned, mm-hmm. they just lost two of their, well, one really important player in Cam Porter, their returning running back, and then a, an offensive lineman in Zach Franks, who uh, could have been a key cog or at least mm-hmm. a, a key reserve for that team. Um, if Illinois can avoid stuff like that, that just betters their chances of, you know, at least staying competitive later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's really what all you can ask for, like you said, with the second half of that schedule with Wisconsin and Penn State and Minnesota and Iowa and Northwestern. Just at least make it so that they're not, you know, losing 40-13. to 13. You, you stay in the game, you still lose maybe 27-21. That's, you know. That's positive momentum from last year. If they <laughs> lost to Penn State by a touchdown, I mean, you want to win. But if they lose to Penn State by a touchdown, I'd say that's a positive momentum boost for this team. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the losses do pile up and how quickly, if anything, players say or, or Bielema says or the coordinators say about they're not here for moral victories or anything like that. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you had a story in, in Tuesday's News Gazette uh, about the quarterback room, uh, mainly focused on Art Satowski, the, the Rutgers transfer mm-hmm. and, and likely backup to Brandon Peters. You're going to write a story for tomorrow uh, about the running back room. Uh, fill us in on, on those two key skill position groups for the Illini. Sure. Uh, the, yeah, the quarterback's room. Um, as Brett Bielema kind of told us yesterday in his personal opinion, the quarterback's room is actually probably the one that has undergone the most change since he's arrived. I think we've kind of put that label on the receiver's room. Mm-hmm. I still think that's rightfully so. That room has experienced just a, a ton of overhaul. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more you think about it, the quarterback's room certainly has gone a lot of significant change. Uh, Isaiah Williams is mm-hmm. now out of the room on a different part of the team. Um, you bring in Sikowski. You bring in um, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Uh, what did you say? Karan oh, Taylor also. Karan yeah, Taylor also has left the room. You bring in Ryan Johnson, who sounds like he's actually getting some 
some backup reps, not primary backup mm-hmm. reps, but more so tertiary or number four tertiary. backup reps. Good work. Yes, thanks. So, yeah, there there has been a good amount of overhaul in that in that quarterback's room, and it's so interesting to have two guys in Brandon Peters and Sikowski who have double-digit Big Ten starts under their belts. Um, you know, it kind of leads to the, the, uh, the premise that there should be a quarterback battle right off the bat, but it has seemed all along that Brandon Peters was going to be the number one guy until until he gave the, the new staff a reason to mm-hmm. demote him, basically. Um, and he has not done that. I mean, he was trotted out during the first or second practice of, of this, this fall uh, training session to be the guy, basically, mm-hmm. as Bielema said, um, to kind of give him those, those reps mentally as being the guy. So um, I think the dynamic between him and Sikowski is really um, – it's really a positive one. I think it's it's good that Illinois can have a guy who's kind of in waiting. You don't want to assume that mm-hmm. Sikowski is going to be the number one guy as soon as Peters finally graduates or finally <laughs> departs the program. Um, but that certainly seems like that's what they're setting up for. So even if, if Art never takes the field um, for a game this season, I think that's a positive addition to the quarterback's room just because it, it, they seem to have an understanding. There's not you know butting heads like mm-hmm. I thought I was going to come in and start five games and yeah. you were going to start seven games mm-hmm. or what have you. Bielema has made it very clear he's not a two rotational guy with quarterbacks as he as he described it, um, I which like is that. pretty much what Lovey Smith did for the entire <laughs> uh, 2020 season, and it was. It, it by gave, ne- it gave by the, necessity to it on yeah, his defense. Ca- yeah, it, early in the year, yeah. yes, it was by mm-hmm. necessity because there was the COVID mess, but yeah. then it kind of just continued after mm-hmm. COVID got cleared up, and it was a weird mess, and it gave us beat writers something to ask him and Rod Smith about every week. And I'm they sure kinda, they really enjoyed answering that question. Yeah, they, no, they definitely <laughs> didn't, uh, but it, they... they they unleashed it upon themselves, so that's that's their their own deal. So, yeah, I think um, the quarterback room's in a good place. Uh, it sounds like everybody's on the same page there. Obviously, Brandon Peters is going to need to perform consistently. Uh, when he was healthy, he did. I think he did perform consistently on a strong basis last season for the most part. Um, the question then becomes if he starts to struggle. Um, obviously, injuries are a separate issue, but if he you know has one, two, then three bad games in a row, then do we start? What do we start talking about? And it's not just you know if Illinois loses games because it's, the wins and losses are more than about the quarterback. But if Brandon Peters is getting picked off multiple times a game, can't hang on to the ball, can't complete passes, what have you, makes bad decisions, then obviously then we start to talk about the other guy who has multiple Big Ten starts under his belt. The most popular guy in town at that point then. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, But overall right now my assessment would be that the quarterback's room is in good shape. Um, The running back's room, I I think they they kind of – Before we move on to the the running back's column, quick trivia question. Mm -hmm. Name me the last season where Illinois had one person start every game at quarterback. And who was that quarterback? (laughs) Who was that person? (laughs) Uh, <laughs> 2002. No, more recent. <laughs> more recent. 2015. Oh, that was very recent. That's eh, six years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's within, the li- it's within the last decade. For for reference sake, I guess the true freshman on this year's Illinois football team would have been in middle school, there you 12 go. years old, when Wes Lunt started all 12 games in 2015. Here's the... Uh, 2016, they had Wes Lunt, Jeff George Jr., and Chase Crouch all start at least one game. 2017, Chase Crouch, Jeff George Jr., and Cam Thomas all start at least two games. <laughs> uh, 2018, A.J. Bush Jr. started nine. M.J. Rivers started three. 
I don't have 2019 or 2020 off the top of my head because I'm looking at a handy-dandy 2019 media guide. But last year, you had Brandon Peters, Matt Robinson, Coran Taylor, <laughs> and Isaiah Williams and that, uh, in an eight-game season. And Deuce Span very nearly got on the field because, because of uh, kind of <laughs> confusion on the sideline, but then he ultimately was just out there for a timeout. So. All right, continue on with the running back. Yeah, that's all good. That, I, that was a good that was a good segue. I would not have guessed Wes Lunt just because Wes Lunt, like, kind of like Brandon Peters, injuries. had injury issues mm-hmm. that he dealt with, so that would not have been my first guess. It would have been like Juice Williams or somebody like that. But um, Yeah, in the running backs room, I think there's a very similar dynamic but obviously you have more guys who can actually get reps. Um, you could have more quarterbacks who can get reps. You could just use them at different positions, I guess, but that sounds insane. Um, at running back, you can actually you know, get more guys out there, get a guy out there for first, get out there for second, get out there for third, have a guy out there for multiple series in a row or what have you. Um, I think Chase Brown is kind of the clear number one guy, and everybody seems to be aware of that, and nobody seems to have an issue with that as far as Guys like Chase Hayden and Mike Epstein and Reggie Love, um, they seem to recognize what he accomplished last season, and uh, they they seem to be willing to, you know, support him as he's the number one guy. There doesn't seem to be any ego issues going on there. But Chase Hayden uh, is a guy who I think will certainly see quite a bit of carrying the ball. Um, I think Bielema and uh, Tony Peterson are kind of enamored with the two chases. Um, just utilizing uh, Brown and Hayden in pretty much any way that they possibly can. And seeing those guys on the field regularly, I think, is something Illinois fans should get used to as long as health permits. The really fascinating one for me is where does Mike Epstein mm-hmm. fit into all of this? Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he comes back if he doesn't at least get change of pace third down duties change of base second down duties what have you it's also a good way to limit the amount of um physical toll you put mm-hmm. on a guy who just can't stay healthy uh, consistently uh but yeah mike epstein you know scott Ritchie wrote about it last week doesn't want to talk about the past doesn't want to harbor on the past which has kind of been a go-to for this illinois team ever since bielema got hired they don't really want to compare to the lovey smith era they just want to move forward and try to do better um, but I, I think Brown is your obvious lead back, but Hayden is a very close, like, 1B, basically. Mm-hmm. And then with Epstein, you got a guy who can be good for third downs, and maybe you mix Reggie Love in there as well. We've talked so much about Reggie Love this, this offseason and preseason, but he was a guy who didn't carry the ball a whole lot last year. He was relatively unproven. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Illinois team has seen something, this current Illinois staff has seen something they like in him. It's just so hard to imagine how you get a fourth guy consistent reps in this offense without somebody getting injured or somebody going down. So, I mean, maybe maybe you use – I don't know. I don't know what exactly what exactly the plan is as far as trying to squeeze a fourth guy in there because you've got three pretty well-proven commodities in Chase Brown, Chase Aiden, and Mike Epstein. And then you've got a guy who clearly has a lot of potential and upside, at least in the eyes of Illinois staff, and Reggie Love – so, yeah, um, it's it, the thing is, though, they just all seem, they're all saying the right things. They're yeah. all very supportive of each other. They're all saying it's a very happy, very happy dynamic. Everybody's learning off each other, things like that. The, the, the issue, again, as with Brandon Peters, if he would, were to struggle, the issue would start to be if Illinois, Illinois starts to get bottled up in the run game, if they're not producing consistently, if, if guys are only rushing for 20, 25, mm-hmm. 30 yards a game and averaging two yards a carry or something like that. Um, but 
getting off to a hot start against Nebraska certainly would uh, would deter any of those issues. All right, Colin, you want to do a draft? Sounds good. All right, uh, Nebraska, obviously, I, I'd be curious to see how many times in the first 30 episodes of this podcast we've mentioned the word Nebraska. <laughs> um, but they come to town next Saturday for the season opener. And in the spirit of that... Colin and I are going to pick 10 teams that we'd like to see Illinois open the season with. Now, that being said, the next five seasons are pretty much, they're set <laughs> already, so it has no bearing until at least 2026. Not that this would anyway, but just for reference sake, they open against Nebraska this season. 2022, they're set to host Wyoming on August 27th. 2023, they're set to host Toledo, September 2nd, here in Champaign. 2024, they're set to host Purdue on August 31st. 2025, Nebraska again, <laughs> August 30th. Um, so, yeah. There also, just for reference sakes, too, um, last year, obviously, Illinois opened at Wisconsin in the, the weird 2020 season. Nebraska makes it two straight Big Ten uh, teams in, in the opener before last season, and I guess... 2020's aberration let's hope for god's <laughs> sake yeah. uh fingers crossed 1996 was the last time illinois would have opened against a big 10 team in the regular season uh they hosted uh or they played at michigan that year so it's been a while uh just some of the opponents they've uh had in the past uh for openers 2019 hosted akron uh 2018 kent state 2017 ball state 2016 murray state 2015 <laughs> kent state <laughs> 2014 the Youngstown States. State, <laughs> 2013 Southern Illinois, State, 2012 Western Michigan, State. 2011 Arkansas State. There you go. That has been the cavalcade of non-conference or uh, of opponents to open up the season for Illinois after the Missouri Illinois series kind of went by the wayside because that was uh, an annual staple for most of the 2000s uh, as far as a season opening game. For Illinois, so with all that information out there and for you to digest at your leisure, uh, I guess, Colin, what would be your number one pick? And I guess if we want to, this can go any direction. Mm -hmm. um, I would try to maybe keep it somewhat realistic and not somewhat. go all pie in the sky, Pollyanna version yeah. on who you'd like to see. Yeah, um, We can have some fun with it. We always do. But go ahead, Colin. You're, <laughs> no you're on fun, the clock. No fun allowed. Um, <laughs> let's see. Who do I want to start off with? Well, just because... Of recent history, and I mean, obviously, you know, a lot can change in five years, but we're just going to pretend that Illinois continues to create interesting games against this team in particular, and that Brett Bielema is still around for several years moving forward. Let's just open against Wisconsin, okay. uh, which has become a traditional homecoming opponent of, of recent years for mm -hmm. Illinois. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get a bunch of uh, hype and trash talk going on beforehand. Not that I, I don't think... Uh, that might have been Bielamo of old, uh, kind of. He might have fed into that a little bit more. Maybe he could still give it a little bit. But, yeah, Illinois and Nebraska seem to just uh, kind of be you got a burgeoning kind of, even though Illinois is not always on the winning side. It's kind of, you know, a growing rivalry based on Wisconsin just being annoyed that Illinois keeps kind of muddling and uh, muddling up any plans they have of having a, uh, you know, even more successful season than they otherwise would. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Wisconsin for 
for my first pick. They were supposed to actually open up next season at Wisconsin, mm. but they made a scheduling change where Wyoming's now, I guess, week zero. They got the wrong the, W so, team. Yeah, but the the game against Wisconsin next year, September 3rd, up in Madison. That would have been a cool yeah. cool opener. A lot of intrigue around that. Um, solid pick. I, I don't mind that. Uh, I'm, I guess... I'm more of a traditionalist. I like seeing Big Ten games in, you know, October, mm-hmm. November when it's, you know, the weather starts to turn sure. and the leaves turn colors. I don't know how much I can get excited about a game that could be like 95 degrees on August 28th. But anyway, uh, I'll go back to Missouri. Just schedule them in the opener every year. Uh, they're going to be back on the schedule by the time my kids are probably graduating high school in 15 years or so. Um home and home series with those two teams coming up well into the future won't be in st louis like it was but uh i just think that's a a rivalry that should be played early on would generate a lot of interest you'd know right away kind of a benchmark for your team and Mm -hmm. uh, i think it'd be good for both programs Uh, missouri out of the sec could play a, a school out of the big 10 early and illinois could test its wares against an sec program and uh it's not that far would generate a lot of interest, a lot of fans, I would think. So just make that every year, make that your opener. Every year. Perfect. Every year. Makes it easy. There you go. <laughs> uh, with my second pick, uh, I'm going to go with a team that's, uh, I feel like they, they kind of just, they float around, so they may, maybe they just randomly be available, even though they're a pretty hot commodity for scheduling purposes in the college football world. That would be Notre Dame. Okay. Um, I mean, respect certainly not the easiest opener ever regardless of what year it is but uh man it would draw a lot of uh interest a lot of fans regardless of which stadium it's held in maybe you could find some neutral site even to play it in um although i know neutral site games in illinois haven't exactly yeah i was gonna say even though we're kind of loath to to (laughs) do that here in illinois but yeah i think um you know you can't pass up the opportunity to play a storied program like notre dame and obviously illinois has its own history as well so that would be a lot of fun um, relatively teams, short trip too. True, the, the two teams meet in basketball. It seems every three years yep. in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They've met twelve times on the football field. Last though was nineteen sixty eight. Oh, fifty eight to eight win by the Fighting Irish <sighs> in South Bend. Oh. Illinois never won a game in the series. Yeah, they're eleven zero and one. They tied in a zero zero shootout back in nineteen thirty seven <laughs> in Champaign. Have <laughs> <laughs> now that I've humbled you, no with. words, <laughs> <laughs> no words for that one. No, it's not, it's a, still taking them. Yeah, no, one. I think it generates uh, quite a bit of interest. So I, I be. And I mean, what do you have to lose if you're Illinois? I mean, you have yeah. you, Notre Dame probably never schedules it because you have everything to lose there. If you become the one on the wrong side of that ledger, is Notre Dame? I mean, you're that's tagged your your class and your group forever. I mean, but Illinois, that seems like something Josh Whitman would be all for. Be like, let's see if we can upset these guys yeah no i uh <laughs> i agree wholeheartedly uh, my second pick um again i'm gonna go kind of historical i guess in in this selection but in, in the words of of neil stoner the former illinois athletic director the 80s belong to the illini and uh a frequent opponent in 1980s for illinois in the non-conference schedule was southern cal okay uh teams were supposed to play over in the Soviet Union and then opened the 1989 season, the Glasnost Glasnost Bowl. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, But that got scratched at the last minute, and the teams ended up opening out in L.A. Uh, Jeff George was the quarterback in that opener, and Illinois won 14-13 over the fifth-ranked Trojans that season. Uh, Southern Cal's been here 
to Champaign before. They opened the 1985 season. Uh, they played in the second week in 86 out in L.A. Uh, they've got some history between the schools, uh, especially recent history with a lot of former USC players transferring to Illinois. Um, so, yeah, bring it back. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe Illinois gets to that level again someday where they could have a, a big-time opponent come to Champaign in, in week one. That'd be that'd be pretty cool to see. That would be pretty cool to see. I agree. Not realistic, probably, for the near future. A, lo- a lot of these are not realistic <laughs> for the near future. Let's just be completely honest about yeah. that. Um, and that's, I guess, with my third pick, I'm going to be entirely unrealistic because <laughs> you already told us all these teams that Illinois is playing over the next, what, five seasons mm-hmm. for its uh, preseason opener. But I would like um, one of those games to be moved <laughs> um, sooner. It's going to have to be sooner mm-hmm. because I very specifically – want them to play Oklahoma State before Hunter Woodard leaves. <laughs> um, graduate. I think it would be a lot of fun uh, to, to just see that matchup. Hunter Woodard, for those of you, as Matt said, not uh, not in the know, Tuscola graduate who plays on the offensive line, kind of uh, kind of similar to Julian Pearl, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't a starter at the beginning of last season, and then there was an injury, and then he got on, and then he never left. Um, so... I, I think that would just be a really cool moment for the city of or the town of Tuscola, I guess I should say. And um, uh, you know, orange against orange, it's a weird matchup. I don't, I don't know how often <laughs> that's ever happened. Uh, you have the record book in front it of you. It is not. They've two yeah. teams have never played before. Yeah. So there you go, a new matchup. There that's you go. Uh, that's perfect. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just want to see Illinois fans or Tuscola fans flock out to, to watch Hunter Woodard play and see what that dynamics like. All right, solid pick. Um, again, there's really no wrong answer in this, and, and there's a multitude of, of ways you could go. Um, hmm, where do I want to go now? I don't know if I should use it this early. I will, whatever. It's uh, it's always good for football in Illinois when, obviously, the University of Illinois is going well, but when also FCS programs in the state are, are doing well, and, and Illinois had a recent history of, of playing in-state FCS teams. I know the Big Ten's trying to get away from scheduling FCS programs, mm-hmm. but I think it's good for uh, good for all parties involved. Uh, the FCS program gets a, a nice payday. Illinois usually gets a nice win, um, which have been few and far between here <laughs> in Champaign. Um, so I'm going to go Eastern Illinois, also yep. a little personal bias since I'm sure. an EIU grad, and the two teams have played recently. Um, back in 2006, they opened the season, and 2008 as well in, in Champaign. I'm not calling for a return game to Charleston, although that would be pretty cool <laughs> and, and would be a sellout, wholeheartedly agreed, like we saw with the basketball exhibition game between those two schools. It's a 45-minute drive away. Um, just make it happen. It saves a lot on, on budget and travel and expenses and things like that. So, um, yeah, just bring on bring the Panthers up to Champaign. There you go. I like that. Oh, let's see. Um, I'm just trying to find, like... Random college football teams? Kind of, but <laughs> ones that would be kind of cool to, to visit the venue, maybe. Yeah. Um, that's kind of my first thought. Um, you know, you already picked a team from California. You can um, bring them back here. Let's go ahead and uh, stay in California. Okay. Let's go ahead and just pick UCLA. I would like that. I like yeah. that. Um I yeah, I don't really have a great reason for it. They've I got just history. Think it, there's a lot games. of historical stuff. A lot of bowl game history between yeah. the two. UCLA's got some really cool uniforms. Yeah, 
and uh, powder blue. I mean, UCLA is not the hottest football commodity no. right now, so maybe Illinois could even pick up a, <laughs> a nice win there. And I mean, it looks good because it's still name brand. The last bowl game win by Illinois happened uh, against the Bruins in the 2011 Craft Fight Hunger Bowl. Uh, UCLA leads the series. It's been competitive six to five okay. over okay. the years. That's first, not bad. First met in the 1947 Rose Bowl that Illinois won. Um, they've met in past. They've met at the Rose Bowl a handful mm-hmm. of other times, not- notably in 1984, a game that Illinois fans would like to forget. UCLA winning 45 to nine. But no, I, I could get fully on board that teams haven't met in the regular season they played a two-year series back in 03-04 UCLA won both those one in Champaign one in or one in Pasadena one in Champaign I like my pick I like it too <laughs> it's, it's very solid <laughs> it's always cool I think to get the Pac-12 yes. Big Ten yes. uh, just the historical nature of yeah, that and there's just a lot of cool I mean there's just a lot of cool opportunities for travel for, mm-hmm. for Illinois out and there obviously too. the connections between the two conferences with the Rose Bowl mm-hmm. and the history that that comes with that um hmm I'm gonna go a little outside the box I guess you could say okay. and uh this one just has kind of always baffled me why these two teams have never met really hardly at all in in football and in no one's lifetime listening to this podcast have they met unless you're 108 years old or older and if you're that old and you're listening to this podcast shout out to you yeah absolutely uh kentucky um you know it's five hours away i know the two schools have a deep dislike for each other on the basketball court which stems back to 1984 but the football programs have not played each other since 1913 uh kentucky is a competitive sec program and i think anytime a big 10 school can get a win against an sec school i think uh, you should definitely Mm -hmm. go for that um maybe start a new new rivalry that way um so yeah i'd I'd be all for kentucky i feel this draft started out really strong we're just kind of losing steam (laughs) throughout i think it's it's more so that we are just losing (laughs) steam i don't know if it's a draft that's losing steam uh with my final pick I'm surprised to see that these teams have played each other. Let's see how many times here. I can't zoom in on this. There we go. Colin's doing research three, on his four, phone right five, now. Six, seven, eight times, but okay. only once, but only one time in the last like 40 years. Um, Army. Yeah. That'd be cool. um, they played each other somewhat frequently between 1929 and 1959, like for non-conference opponents. Um, Met in the Peach Bowl in 1985. Yeah, uh, Army leads that series four three to one mm-hmm. all time. So uh, not another a zero zero. They played at Yankee Stadium twice. That's pretty yeah. cool. Bring that game back. Yeah, why not? in the in the new Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Munkins there also, which yes, obviously is a local connection. A mm-hmm. uh, guy who was teased as potentially being the next Illinois coach, but that never really went anywhere. Um, yeah, uh, it's just a different matchup, two mm-hmm. totally different total d- different backgrounds. I yeah. mean, obviously, Army football is just – it's yeah, Army, Navy, mm-hmm. Air Force, schools like that obviously operate on a different plane than schools in the Big Ten and yeah. schools in the Power Five. So, um, yeah, I think that would be a fun matchup. All right, my final pick. Uh, I'm going to go a Big Ten team um that i think could maybe if you have this game in late august early september at the start of the season i think it could uh generate a lot more interest than what it does where it is currently on the schedule and that's northwestern mm-hmm. uh yep. illinois will talk leading up to that game this year about how they're gonna 
face their rivals and maybe someone will say they don't like the color purple again and usually yeah um it just kind of gets lost by the wayside but where, where it falls on the calendar at least of local interest you've got illinois basketball in full swing uh, ohio state michigan is always that weekend that dominates the headlines for college football and illinois northwestern just kind of gets lost in the shuffle and mm-hmm. i understand the big 10 wants to have its rivalry games at the end of the season you've got indiana purdue that's always the the final saturday of the season uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, games like that. But I think if you move that game up on the schedule, one, it would generate a lot more attendance than what you, we've seen recent years between that, that game, I feel. You've got a lot of positive buzz, a lot of positive momentum, and, and uh, kind of a, I guess, interesting idea I have for that series, too, is just, okay, so you play one game in Champaign. Mm-hmm. The next year it's in Evanston. Then year three, you play at Wrigley because that game was such a success in, in 2010. Uh, I think that would, I think Illinois fans would be on board with that again, uh, especially to help out the, the fans in the Chicago area that want to yeah. see them early in the season. And I'm sure you could work it out with the Cubs where it doesn't interfere with their schedule. So, again, I know this is all a poly and a pipe dream, but uh, I think it'd be fun to, to see Northwestern earlier in the season when there's a lot of interest and momentum towards the season building up instead of kind of late in November yeah. where it, it's, yes, the two teams play for a trophy and a hat, and it's one that Northwestern's dominated recently, but it really just uh, it lacks a lot of pizzazz because mm-hmm. both, team, both teams usually just aren't very good at, yeah. at that point. One team might be good and the other team might not, but they just haven't been consistently good to just kind of generate a lot of interest outside of the state of Illinois. I think you made a good case for that one. I uh, feel I feel strong. I feel like I ended it on a strong note, Colin. I, so I think uh, I feel like Ed Bond's still listening at this point and hasn't <laughs> hit the the stop recording. I think it's important point. that uh, that we try to revive the series. I, I like looking at all these random teams that are like almost certainly don't exist anymore. Got folded into other teams. Chanute Field. <laughs> the, the Chicago School of Dentistry would be a, a yeah. great rematch. They that played once be. in in 1903. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that was a fascinating game. <laughs> all right, this has been a fascinating podcast. <laughs> Thanks to all those who stuck around to the very end. Uh, we'll be back next week, game week, Illinois, Nebraska. We'll talk to you then.